there. Welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message. We haven't had a chance to meet yet. My name is LaShaw James. Uh, my wife is Doriana James. She's that beautiful lady in the back holding my son. Uh, his name is Champion James. Champion because he fights on behalf of others. Uh, my daughter's name is Justice Tasaria James. Uh, Justice is because she makes wrong things right. And so if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, that's me and, and this is my family. Uh, I get the honor of leading us through our discussion on 1 Corinthians and I also get a chance to serve alongside George and Kirby, I see George here, and a few other people uh, as we lead in our house church together, Um, and that brings me a whole lot of joy. The sermon series today is titled, Love Jesus and the People Who Make It Difficult. Love Jesus and the People Who Make It Difficult. And in this letter, Paul is going to remind us of how important it is for us to love one another in our relationships, whether that be marriage or whether that be at work or in the church. He's reminding us of how important it is for us to love one another. And then he also connects it to the gospel. He connects it to the one person who makes that possible, namely Jesus. And then he teaches us how to deal with the situation that happens when people make it difficult. And spoiler alert, uh, Austin mentioned this last week, a lot of times the people who make love and following Jesus difficult is really us. It's not other people, but we uh, have a part to play in some of that confusion. Here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. In the first four chapters of the book, unity is being destroyed because people are claiming allegiance to different Uh, impressive speakers and leaders, influencers and philosophers. In chapter one, Paul says this. He says that one person says, I follow Paul. Another person says, I follow Apollos. Another person says, I follow Cephas. And another person says, I follow Christ. He continues in chapter three by saying that, that the Corinthian church is still worldly because there is jealousy and quarreling among them. He says they're acting like mere humans For one person says they follow Paul, and one person says they follow Apollos. And he asked them, are you not being mere human beings? And near the end of chapter 3, he ends with this commandment, no more boasting about human leaders. So the big question is this, how can the Corinthian church remain unified amidst different impressive leaders, influencers, and philosophers? Like how can the church stay together when one person wants to follow a different leader. Now, it's hard to connect it uh, to today's day and age. I know a lot of times we like to say, well, the Corinthian church is just like us. Sometimes, I mean, they're not. They lived 2,000 years ago in a whole different city, but there are some ways where they are like us. Like, maybe sometimes in this room, you'll find people who love to follow a certain celebrity speaker online, and then somebody else has another celebrity preacher that they like to follow, and, and if those ideas cause tension within the church, it can destroy the unity that we have. Maybe in your community group, you might find yourself kind of breaking off into little sections because there's different schools of thought that exist there. And so Paul is trying to remind us all to to, to strive for unity in the midst of any impressive leaders, any charismatic Christian uh, influencers or speakers. The number one thing is that for the people inside of this room and the people inside of your house church to fight for unity. 
And if I'm honest, I was supposed to teach on chapter two, but it, chapter two seems really out of place. Like it seems to be forced between chapters one and chapter three. Like chapter one talks about like, hey, one person says you follow Paul, one person says you follow Cephas. Chapter three says the same thing. And then in chapter two, Paul seems to go on this tangent about the Spirit's work in the church. And it doesn't seem to, to, to quite fit. Uh, but we're going to read it together. And, and I really think there's only one thing that Paul is trying to say. Um, so I'm going to invite Grant up. And we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. And maybe we could figure out the answer to the big question of how is the Corinthian church going to stay united in the midst of all that division? Yeah, thanks, Lashad. Uh, what a blessing it is uh, for the worship team this morning to lead us. Uh, what a blessing it is to listen to Lashad lead us this morning and uh, to read scripture with y'all. This whole church today, it's, it's, it's a beautiful morning. All right, so uh, we're reading here 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 6 through 16, uh, Paul's letter to Corinth. And uh, I'm reading out of the NIV today, maybe a little bit different version than y'all, but at the end of the day, this is uh, the truth that we need to hear of Paul's letter to Corinth. Uh, so again, here in uh, verse 6. <clears throat> We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to, the, coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God is destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has re revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand that God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truth in the spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But he, we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So church, help, help me read through this. What in these verses do you see the Spirit doing? Okay, and this is where you can talk back, look down at your Bible. What, and this kind of starts around verse 9 or 10, and it kind of goes to 16. Can y'all just yell out, what do you hear the, the Scripture say that the Spirit is doing? Revealing wisdom, yes. What else? Searching, yeah, the Spirit is the doing all the work of searching the deep things, yeah. What else? What else do you see the Spirit doing in these verses? Say it again. Yeah, the Spirit is the one who knows the secrets of God. What else? Giving us the mind of Christ, discerning spiritual truths. Yeah, I think we might be missing one more. Kobe, what you got? Teaching. The Spirit is the one who helps us share or teach. Listen, Paul is saying one idea in four different ways. Number one, the Spirit of God reveals spiritual things to us. We see that in verse 10. Number two, the Spirit of God helps us understand spiritual truths. We see that in verse 12. Number three, the Spirit of God helps us explain spiritual things to other people. We see that in verse 13. 
Number four, the spirit of God helps us un- helps other people understand and discern the truth that we're sharing with them. We see that in verses 14 through 15. Here's the one main point he's trying to say. There should be no division about human leadership or performers or influencers or impressive people. Our faith does not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. It's pretty simple. There should be no division because everything we have is from God. Everything you've ever shared with somebody that they've taken as truth, God was the one who was doing the heavy lifting. Okay, and I'm going to put it this way. We have to understand the difference between the source and a resource. All right. We have to understand the difference between the source and a resource. The spirit of God is the source of wisdom and truth and transformation. A public speaker is a resource. A podcast is a resource. Leaders are resources. The spirit of God is the source. And whenever we get those two things confused, we run into a lot of issues. Whenever we confuse even the Bible as as a source of God's power instead of a resource to be used by God's power, we treat the Bible like some sort of weird incantation book where we quote verses at people's foreheads and hope that they change instead of actually praying like, God, can you save this person? Yes, we're going to use biblical truths. Yes, we're going to stand on the word of God. But this is not a spell book. I'm not going to open it up and and try to cast spiritual Christian spells on you by just yelling verses at your head. I need to pray and ask God, God, will you do the work? Because you are the source and you've given us a resource. I'm not going to walk up to you and just give you a, a, a podcast or some sort of book that I've read that you should really read without first consulting whether or not God wants me to share that with you. Yes, it was impactful to me, but it might not be what you need. Does this make sense that we have to understand the difference between a source and a resource. Now, I'm going to step outside of the confines of, of 1 Corinthians 2 here. Your job is a resource. Where you get your money from, resource. That's not the source. The only giver of life and provision is God. We talked about that in our Genesis series. We have to understand the difference between a source and a resource. I praise God for all of the tools that he's given us. I praise God for the jobs that he's blessed you with. I praise God for all of the, the resources. I praise God for Austin and his beautiful mind that he has, uh, he's able to put together ideas and share them with us and have them impact our life. But I have to be reminded that my faith and my trust can't rest on Austin. It can't rest on, on, on Brad Hobbs. It can't rest on other leaders in this room that I find safety in, if I'm being honest. I can't rest on them. I have to rest on the fact that the Spirit is doing the work. The Spirit is influencing my leadership. The Spirit is influencing everybody here in this room. And so, yes, these people are resources, but God is the source. We have to move from a place where, again, we're so impacted by, you know, hey, my, have have you ever heard those people that, like, my pastor once told me this? Like, every time you talk to them about their spiritual life, it's like, oh, my pastor said, my pastor said this, my pastor said that, and that's good. Like, I love quoting good teaching, uh, but I would really love to see us move from a place of just quoting and parroting things we've heard from a podcast or a book or a pastor to being able to say, I feel like the Spirit of God has told me this, right? Like, just humbly just saying, like, I feel like God himself is impressing this on me. Yes, he used a teacher, he used a book, and he used a resource, but I'm connected to the source. So even if I don't have a certain motivational speaker, even if I don't have a, a, a certain type of worship experience that's really conducive of me learning, I still am connected to the source. So you can change my resources all day and long. It doesn't matter because I'm connected to God. Come on. Come on. It doesn't matter who comes and goes. I don't need this. 
This is not like, a, a, like some sort of seance where we try to play the right music and hit the right tone just so you can get a goosebump feeling about how, God, how much God loves you. And then hopefully in that moment of euphoria, you can get some sort of revelation. We're not trying to rev up the Holy Spirit to do something that he's not already happy to do. Let me see. And Marty, you taught me this. Can you sit in silence with the Lord? Is that enough? Like, yes, praise God for the resources, but are we connected enough to the source that we don't need to rev something up? We're not trying to prime the well. Like, we, we know God. He loves us, and we can sit inside of that. For those of you who haven't got the analogy, I'll say it one more way. I love my wife, like, a lot, a lot. And we have, it doesn't take me any motivation to be able to have a moment with her. We can have a moment anywhere, at any time, as much as it's appropriate. I don't have to rev up the well. There is no, I don't need a song. I don't need a, somebody to tell me how good my wife is. I don't need somebody to tell me how beautiful my wife is. I know it inside of me, and I'm just trying to do everything I can not to embarrass her in public. That's all it is. That's how it should be with Jesus. No one should have to tell you all the time, God is good, God loves you, God saved your soul. Again, I praise God for that motivation and those resources, but we have to fall in love with the source, so much so that we can have a moment with God anywhere, without any music, without a certain ambiance and the lights and, and the impressive speakers, but we can have a moment with God when we need it the most and at any moment in time. So we have to know the difference between a resource and the source. And here's... Here's the tough part. If I'm honest, sometimes when I'm kind of rushed and, and, I'm, and I'm hurried, I prefer to give people resources instead of collaborating with God to connect them to, to, to the source. Like if you were to come up to me right now and tell me about a problem you have, the first thing in my head is I got a podcast for that. I got a book for that. I have a framework for that. Oh, I got this download. I have this PDF. Oh, let me draw this image on the net. I can like show you why the way you're thinking is incorrect and how to go from the fruit to the root and the root to the fruit. Um, and I, and I, I have all these resources, and if I'm honest, I, I am quick to go directly to them. Instead of stopping, sitting with you, asking more questions, not assuming I know everything, and then asking, have you prayed about it yet? Can we pray together? And then just waiting a little bit. Like, I'm not saying I won't give the podcast or the resource or whatever, but can I just can I give you four minutes for us to sit together and then for us to sit before God before I just rush to a solution? Come on. <laughs> can we sit together? And so if I'm honest, sometimes I rush. I rush to give resources instead of just, just connecting people to the source. Sometimes in my pride, I, I want to be, be impressive. Like that list that we just read about Paul and Cephas and Apollos, one of the things about Apollos in Acts chapter 18, uh, here I go, I'm going to impress you with my, my Bible references. <laughs> Acts chapter 18, Paul, uh, Apollos is seen as this learned man, that he's someone who can argue and, and, uh, and, and win debates inside of uh, the synagogue and in the streets. And so he was a very impressive person. And if I'm honest, I would want my name to be on that list. Like if there was a list, like there shouldn't be a list, but if there was, like, I want to be on it, and that's, that's my pride. That's not me boasting in the Lord, but that's me trying to make something of myself. Instead of you all being impressed by me, I need to sit up here and say, God, can you impress upon your people your spirit and what you're doing in their life and how good you are and connect them to you? Sometimes I try to do what only God can do. Like, I'll, I'll sit here and I'll write my sermon, and instead of resting 
in the fact that God is in control. Like I will sit for hours and just meticulously move words around and paragraphs around trying to grasp that control because I I want people to love God and I want you to be transformed and I want this to be the best sermon you've ever heard and I want you to walk out of here apologizing to your spouse and you know all sorts of just supernatural (laughs) there was a laugh um all sorts of just supernatural reconciliation and forgiveness like I want that so badly for you that I sit in front of my little computer and try to type away a way to fix you you know, a way to, to, to solve all of the world's problems in 120 characters or whatever. Uh, probably 1,200 characters. I was off by 10. Um, God hasn't called me to do the impossible. He just wants me to be obedient. God is doing all the heavy lifting, and he deserves all the glory for what's happening inside of the church. God is doing all of the heavy lifting, and he deserves all the glory for what's happening inside the church. And if I really believe this, I'd probably pray a little bit more before my community group meets on Tuesday. I'd probably pray a little bit more after they meet, even. Um, I'd probably be a lot more relaxed. Probably wouldn't talk as fast whenever I teach. Uh, I'd probably prepare and then put my notes away so that I could be present with my wife throughout the week. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't carry so much anxiety around my performance because I trust God as the source of what's going to go well. I probably wouldn't rush to to force my ideas on other people. But what about you? What might change in your life if you trusted more in the spirit of God than you trusted in impressive leaders, influencers, or other resources? What might change? I would reduce the fear in my life of what's to come because I'm not in control. The spirit is in control. Yeah, I don't have to sit here and run scenarios in my head of what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks and months. Or maybe if I do run a scenario, may it have God sitting on his throne, orchestrating, ruling, and reigning, and let that be the scenario that I run. You know how many times this week I've had to stop myself from thinking about sitting up here and hitting spiritual home runs, and instead thinking about God who hit the ultimate spiritual home run for us and who is ultimately going to do all of the work. And so I have to just like take that anxiety and and all of that planning and all of that like rehearsing in my mind of what's to come, and I just have to give it to God and be like, God, um, I trust in your story more than my little episode I'm having right now. What else? What might change in your life if you trusted more in the spirit of God than you did uh, impressive leaders, influencers, or philosophers? Or what would change if you trusted more in the source versus just resources? I'd be more content. All you have is all you need. All you have is all you need. There's so, I know there's people in here that, that are like, I know I need money, I need resources, I need forgiveness, I need, but all you have is all you need. And if you're connected to the source, you don't have to fight over resources. Be more responsive. Tell me more. What do you mean by that? Be more responsive. Come on. Come on. The Holy Spirit, it might be prompting me to pray for somebody at CVS or pray for someone next to me, and I can just do it. Why? Because I'm not the source. God is the source, and he's just using me to to maybe just speak a word of encouragement over somebody. I don't have to overthink it. I could just let God do what he's going to do. Yeah. What else? What might change? I would rest and be still and trust that he would speak to me in his word, that I'm not going to the Bible trying to rev up the well and get some, come on, God, give me something for the day. But I could just rest. Like, God, he wants to speak to me. He's going to speak to me through his word. I don't have to do something crazy. Yes. Resting in his love, instead of being just 
motivated by these outside stimuli or stimulus, right? Instead of being motivated by that, I can sit and rest in the love of God. That I don't have to, to try to medicate that low anxiety I've been feeling with constant dribbles of entertainment. That maybe I can just sit with the Lord and be like, God, okay, what's going on inside of my heart that I need to give to you that I'm trying to self-medicate from? I don't have to just keep taking in all of these resources and podcasts and books and, you know, 10 steps to my better life. I can just actually maybe just sit with you in those moments. So here's what we're going to do. I want to be a good steward of time. I was going to give you guys two minutes to, to uh, answer the question, like, what is God saying to you? And what are you going to do in response? But all of you talked way too much. So um, instead, uh, I'm going to give us just a few seconds to maybe write it down. And you're going to have to share it after. I'm going to invite who's ever part of the story team, if you guys can prepare to, to share with us. Um, I might invite Jeremy back up. Is Jeremy still here? Yeah, what's up, man? This man's getting married here soon. Can we give it up? Come on, come on. Um, I would love for you to, to maybe just jot down what is God saying to you and maybe write an I will statement behind it. Uh, and we're going to give you just like 45 seconds or so to do that while the story team prepares. Um, I think it's really important to write, write down what you feel like God is saying to you because it forces clarity. All right. It goes from being an emotion to force it into clarity. And I know that when God is doing something in your life, it's really hard to put to words. Right. Like it's kind of this amorphous impression that you're getting, but sometimes locking what God is doing in the English language in a journal somewhere really helps you come back to it and, and, and unpack it. And so you kind of pack it away in some, like one or two sentences. What is God doing in your life? Uh, because this is going to give you the fuel for the conversations you're going to have over lunch, for the conversations you're going to have in the car. Uh, we're not going to be able to talk about it today just because we're running out of time, uh, but I would really love to force clarity and write down what is God saying to me? And what I'm going to do about it. And don't feel pressure to make something up. Um, again, we're not trying to prime the well. We're not trying to make things up. But if you do have something, I invite you to write it down. And I'll give you 30 seconds. And then your next, your next voice you'll hear will be from our story team. Good morning, Rim Fam. I'm going to read a couple that came through through the list today. You guys are awesome. We had over a hundred different responses from you guys. So it's very clear that the Lord is speaking to you, that you're following in obedience, and that you're feeling boldness to step into this moment, into this question, and to answer some of these. So Steve and I are going to read some of these for you. Joining a Bible study with ladies of my community group, we were able to be vulnerable, honest, and open with each other. It feels amazing to see God has given me this community. I prayed for my kids as they were away at camp. I was very stressed about where each one of them are and the things that their hearts are broken over. I felt a nudge from the Lord for one of them. And when she came back from camp, she tearfully told me that she had heard the very same thing. I'm just so thankful Jesus loves my kids more than I do. My cup is feeling empty, but being too busy to recognize it. Today, that cup is being filled. I continue to have more time to heal my relationship with the Lord despite the frankness of our conversations and sometimes tumultuous nature of our relationship. In this, I've continued to rediscover who I am, which is who God made me, 
and learning to be comfortable with this and growing into it. And this last one that I have, um, you may think was written by me, but it wasn't. Um, and I'm sure anybody who's had a situation either with difficult clients or coworkers can probably relate. So while working with people that sometimes frustrate me, I felt God telling me to be more patient with them. My natural response would be to get a little more stern when someone's not understanding something, but I was called to treat them with more love and patience as Jesus would. Results were way much better his way. And just in this, I'm just constantly reminded of one of the names of God that's only mentioned one time in scripture, which is Elroy, the God who sees me. And that's just kind of woven through a lot of these responses where wherever people are, whether it's in their work or difficult relationships or personal relationships or seasons with their kids, wherever you are, he sees you. Thank you, Katie. That was great. And it's so true. Uh, God does see us. And that's, I'm seeing the same thing, just marriages, marriages healed, marriages, uh, God showing up in prayer for children, for husbands, wives, for jobs. Uh, one, one right here, it says, I saw Jesus work through a physical healing. You know, guys, y'all got to share these stories. Like, I don't, know, I don't know who got to see a physical healing, but don't keep that to yourself. You know, I want to hear about that. You know, anyone else would like to hear about a physical healing? You know, anyone want to, if, you, if that's your story, feel free, come up here, share it. Saw Jesus work within me, uprooting bad seeds planted in my heart, unworthy since 2011. Unworthiness since 2011. Slowly but surely uprooting lies that I had formed in my own life. So this is 11 years of seeing God slowly work. You know, and that's how it is, you know, and it's like we think that uh, when we're supposed to fill these out that they're supposed to be great, great miracles like the physical healing. And that's great when we see great miracles, but they're also little things that we see God just gradually move in our hearts. Uh, I know personally, I've, I've been working with a young man at UTSA for three years, uh, just meeting with him once a month. And then last month, he uh, he said that he's finally relying on the Lord. He's finally accepting the Lord. And it's, you know. It's just a long, long answered prayer. And so, so maybe you've been praying for something for a long time. Maybe there's a child, a, a father, a mother, an aunt uh, that you've been praying for. And you just keep praying. God is good. Anxiety. That's another one I've been seeing in here. There's been children that uh, went to camp and felt anxious. People at work feeling anxious. People looking for a job feeling anxious. And God has showed up. And brought peace. You know, there's 110 responses, guys. I, I've barely even, I haven't even read all of them yet. And so I'm sorry if I uh, didn't get to share your story today. But just, I, I'm encouraged. I hope you guys are encouraged by the, the way that the Holy Spirit is working. Uh, I saw ones about Bible study, about prayer groups that are breaking out, about new people that just came to town, Lord. So praise the Lord for whoever's stepping into the lives of the, uh, I saw a couple different people who had just moved to San Antonio this week and that people had reached out to them and they were already finding community. And so praise the Lord, you know, thank you guys for being so bold, for inviting people into community. Continue to do that. <laughs> 